What's up guys and welcome back to Billion BNG. This is episode two. So before I get started, I want to thank everybody for all the love and the support and the feedback that I got from episode one. Not only from my podcast fam, but from my YouTube fam as well. I appreciate that. Um, and before we get started, I just wanted to know, show you guys that the pack just touched down. The pack is just touched down. I know my podcast fam can't see, but if you see on my YouTube fam, um, my package just came in. I just um, just received um, the one not done NFC East Division Championship shirt. Um, I got it about three or four days ago in the mail, even though I ordered it the day after we clinched the division. Um, postal service going crazy. Um, but like I said, um, for my YouTube fan, you can see I'm rocking the Division Champion One Not Done shirt. Um, and for uh, episode two, guys, um, right, to get right into it, today we're going to have an offensive um, outlook. So whether that um, we're going to have position groups we're going to break them down by position groups um to see maybe some potential moves that may be involved in the washington football team over the course of the all season we're going to do some positional breakdowns and today we're just going to stick with the offensive side of the ball in episode three we'll look towards the defensive side of the ball but today like i said we're just going to be doing some positional breakdowns looking at each position on the offensive side of the ball to see where we can improve at some players that may be leaving the group some players that we may be bringing in through the offseason whether that be through free agency or the draft and um yeah that's what we're going to do for episode two and like i said we're going to do our defensive outlook um in episode three um so like i said we're just going to be breaking them down by position so i want to start with the offensive line i want to start with the offensive line and we're going to go through the offensive line relatively fast um so first of all guys i'm not like your normal football fan i know how important offensive and defensive line play is to you know building up a team and you know just the impact that they have on the game you know they call it trench warfare i know how nasty it gets in the trenches um but the reason that we're just going to go uh skim through the offensive line really quick is because i believe that the washington football team is pretty much set on the offensive line especially after you know giving uh chase Rulier the extension that they gave him the night before the carolina the Panthers game. Um, one thing that I do think that we need to do is re-sign Brandon Scherf, um, whether at fair market value, um, and somebody of his caliber, um, you know, him reaching all-pro, first-team all-pro, um, the first time a Washington football team member has done that in over 20 years. I believe that fair market value for a guard of his caliber is around 13 or $14 million. So I believe that's the only thing um, that we need to touch bases on for the offensive line. I believe that that needs to be done throughout the offseason. And if you listen to Scherf, um, it's a it's a stark contrast between his comments um, that he made um, after the 2019 season leading up to this season and the comments that he just recently made in his exit interview. If you guys can recall back to um, about a year ago, you know, he was saying that a lot of his contract negotiation and a lot of his contract decisions was in his agent's hand, you know, it was up to fate. It was out of his control. He didn't really have any hearsay. Um, he didn't really have anything um any involved uh, he wasn't really involved in the contract negotiations but that was a stark contrast from what he said in his exit interview um, when they interviewed him uh, the day after the loss against the Buccaneers you know, he was saying that he was, you know, galvanized by Coach Ron Rivera. He was ready to come back and lead these guys. Um, and I believe that he just bought into the culture that we're developing here. Um, you can tell based off of his comments. So I believe that Scherf wants to come back. Something that I didn't, I wasn't too sure of last offseason. And I believe that starts with somebody like um, Coach Rivera being in the fold. I believe that, you know, Brandon Scherf is a Rivera guy. And, um, you know, what Coach Ron Rivera is a Brandon Scherf guy. I believe, you know, that they have a lot of the same ideas 
ideologies and you know building um, a team with somebody that you drafted um, and having that linchpin on the offensive line can only help so far as far as the offensive line I just think that we need to re-sign Brandon Scherf at fair market value of course um, like I said we uh, extended Chase Rullier the night before the Carolina Panthers game so he'll be here for many years to come um, and I like the continuity on the right side between Morgan Moses and Brandon Scherf those guys are like brothers uh, you see even Morgan Moses told Brandon Scherf during his exit interview this isn't the last time we'll be playing together so maybe Morgan knows something that we don't um, but I don't believe that there um, don't there doesn't need to be too many changes on the offensive line and we, we invested in the offensive line throughout last offseason as well you know bringing in Wes Streiser who um, improved dramatically over the course of the season and then investing draft picks is in um, Keith Ismail as well as Sadiq Charles I know Sadiq Charles had a disappointing rookie year because he had to deal with a lot of numerous you know various injuries but hopefully he can um, prove to be you know that uh, four-star five-star prospect that he was going into LSU or hopefully he can be as dominant as he was in LSU's um, national season championship game look guys I know Sadiq Charles was a fourth round pick that was due to a lot of off the field reasons if you go back and look at that 2019 LSU film uh, Sadiq Charles shut down a lot of the dominant edge rushes in the SEC um, whether that be Terrell Hall he shut down a lot of guys he shut down I'm not going to go over the list of names here but he shut down a lot of guys in 2019 and that was playing the left tackle position so if he um, I know Cornelius Lucas played well but if he can either slide into the left tackle or left guard spot um, and hold that down and be a lynch pinch along with you know Morgan Moses Chase Rulier and Brandon Sheriff, our offensive line's future is looking really, really bright. So like I said, I'm just going to skim over the offensive line. I don't think too much needs to be done there. Maybe look for a potential breakout season from Sadiq Charles or maybe even Keith Ismail. I like I like his mobility um, as an interior lineman. Um, so I like um, I like the investments that we have as far as draft picks. And, you know, I don't think we need to invest too much this offseason into the offensive lineman. I have a similar feeling about the running back position as well. Um, I know that, you know, J.D. throughout the season, J.D. McKissick has turned into a, an elite pass catching, passing down back. Um, something that I think he can continue, a role that I think he can continue in 2021. And then Antonio Gibson did nothing but improve throughout the season. Um, we have to remember, guys, Antonio Gibson was drafted out of Memphis as a wide receiver. So um, a lot of his runs at the beginning of the season, you know, where he was pushing tracks too hard or looking for cutback lanes too early. Um, we saw a lot of improvement week by week with him even you know running behind his pads at the beginning of the season we saw him running into the backs of a lot of linemen we, we didn't see that as much towards the end of the season we saw him falling nearly every time a power would be created Antonio Gibson would be falling forward and that just shows that he's becoming more natural as a runner um, running behind his pads more um, you can look at his breakout game against the Dallas Cowboys you can see that he was just searching for holes and hitting them and just jetting through um, something that you know you have to pick up in the NFL especially if this isn't your natural position um, but somebody you know with the dimensions you know 6'2", almost 230 like Antonio Gibson has I, I have no reason not to believe that Antonio Gibson can be a dynamic running back in this league especially with you know the improvement that he showed over the short, um, the short period of time of this season remember he didn't have an off season he didn't have a mini camp to you know work on not pressing the holes as hard or work on cutting back so for him to show that improvement week at week in and week out that shows that he was invested in learning how to become a more natural runner so i don't believe that we need to invest too much in the running back i believe that you know 
between Gibson and McKissick, we do we are set at our top two positions on the depth chart. I do think that Peyton Barber needs to be replaced, though. I loved what Peyton Barber gave us this year. You know, he's a tough um, tough yardage, hard-nosed running back um, that you, you would bring in in third and one, and, you know, third and short situations, go-to-go situations. And nine times out of ten, Peyton Barber will pick up that two, three, four yards that you needed um, to either convert or get into the end zone. But I do know that Peyton Barber had a one-year contract. And that skill set, even though he was special at it, I don't think that that skill set is necessary necessarily hard to replace um, so if you can bring in like a draft pick like a late round draft pick that has a similar skill set that's always pushing the pile that's always finding those nitty-gritty yards then potentially you know you can replace that um, Peyton Barbers with that um, draft pick but I don't think you need to do too much investing in the running back or the offensive line position as far as you know um, free agency and the draft goes like I said late round draft picks perfect 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 um, for both positions but I wouldn't be spending too much um, and free agency on either one of those positions because I believe that those positions are locked up for the Washington football team heading into um, 2021. Um, I'm, I have a similar feeling about tight end, so I won't go into that as much either. Um, going into the season, I was kind of skeptical at the way that Logan Thomas would perform, um, but Logan Thomas had a breakout season. Logan Thomas was a top five tight end um, throughout most of the season, um, whether that be in yards, touchdowns, you name it. Logan Thomas produced, he had a top five tight end season. Um, while, I, while I'm not comfortable in saying, you know, he's the most dominant tight end one, um, I would like to you know see a body brought in behind him because i don't think it's much behind him but we'll touch more into that as we look um into our free agency outlook preview as well as our draft preview when we start breaking down tight ends but the two positions that i did want to really harp on and talk about the most in this episode of bleeding bng was the quarterback position as well as the wide receiver position because the washington football team seems to have gaping holes at both of those positions and there's something that you don't normally see from a team that competed or contended for a playoff position just a year ago just last season so you know um in some cases you may have teams with a uh, with a disadvantage at quarterback um that had made the play playoffs in the previous season or you may see teams with a disadvantage at wide receiver but you rarely see both and this goes back to the point that i was making in episode one guys that our defense is that good that we competed with two glaring issues on two of the most important positions on the football field so our defense is really if it's not elite, it's it's a tick under, but it's ready to contend and it's ready to compete for Super Bowls for year in and year out. And like I said in the last episode, we have about a three or four year window where we can compete. So it's time. It's time that we address these gaping holes on this side of the ball so that they can ride, ride the coattails of this amazing defense. Um, so like I said, those two positions that I wanted to touch uh, touch bases on today was the quarterback and the wide receiver position the quarterback and the wide receiver position so if you look depends on where you look the Washington football team is about seventh or eighth in projected cap space at around 28 or 29 million um, projected right now they can um, also save about 13 million towards the cap if they cut Alex Smith something that I believe is very likely um, as well as if um, Alex Smith retires I believe that those um, either two of those scenarios are very likely so so that would project towards more money towards our cap. So then <coughs> looking at the uh, quarterback position first, 
I broke down six options into three different um, three different groupings. So I have two options under who I can see who is who is pretty likely. I'm not going to say pretty likely, but who I see has a high chance of coming to the Washington football team in two, 2021. Then I have two options who are less likely, but somebody two two players that we would need to take a big swing on. But there's a possibility, whether that be slim or you know none, there's a possibility of them coming to the Washington football team in 2021. Then I also want to give you two. Two options that I like in the draft um, for the quarterback position or quarterback X, as J.P. Finley likes to call it, for the Washington football team in 2021. So I'll go ahead and start with the two options that I believe are more likely than the other um, four options or than the other two options to be bought in through free agency or um, throughout in the offseason, whether that be through eight through free agency or whether that be through um, trade demand or trade room or a trade package. Um, so the two quarterbacks that I believe are more likely to come in um, through after this offseason, I do want to, for time reference, today is Wednesday, January 27th. So over the course of the last week, um, the Washington football team made two really important hires as far as their front office goes. They hired uh, Martin Mayhew, Mayhew who previously served as the Detroit Lions GM as well as the VP of Player Personnel for the San Francisco 49ers. And then they also brought in Marty Herney to be the VP of uh, Player Personnel. So they brought in Martin Mayhew to be the team's new general manager and Marty Herney to be the VP of Player Personnel. And Herney served as the Carolina Panthers GM, spending two terms there. I touched on them um, last week, but those um, hirings are now finalized and complete. So the two options that um, those hirings have a direct connection to and I believe makes it more likely or um, gives it a better chance of those two players joining the Washington football team in 2021 is Matthew Stafford and Cam Newton. I said Matthew Stafford and Cam Newton and I'll go ahead and touch bases on Stafford first. So Matthew Stafford over the weekend have, has requested a trade and been granted um, permission to request a trade from the Detroit Lions. Matthew Stafford is entering his 13th season. This past season he had 4,000 touchdowns. I mean 4,000 passing yards with 26 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. Uh, Matthew Stafford has been healthy over, over the most of his entire career uh, missing almost more than half the season just once and that was in 2019 one thing that i do want to talk about in that 2019 uh, about that 2019 season is that at the time that stafford did get hurt he was projected to throw over 5,000 yards and this is a stat that is mind-blowing um, when you think of somebody like matthew stafford but matthew stafford is one of only six quarterbacks in nfl history let me repeat that. He's one of only six dudes to play quarterback in the end to play the quarterback position in the history of NFL to have a 5,000 yard season. Now this stat is even crazier because yeah, he did have Calvin Johnson, but in that offense he didn't have the multitude of weapons these other guys that had 5,000 yard passing seasons did. If you look at the Kansas City offense, they have about six or seven options, and Patrick Mahomes is another name on there. Or you go back to the early 2010s and those dynamic offenses that Drew Brees had. He's another name on that 5,000-yard passing list. Same with Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos. The name that sticks out on that list is Matthew Stafford because all of those guys are shooing Hall of Famers. But also, all those guys had numerous weapons. Matthew Stafford had, what, that year that he threw? He had Calvin Johnson, and he had, he had, he had D. Decent. 
you know, he had decent weapons, but he had nothing um, to, he had nowhere near the supporting cast of those other three um, franchises that I named, or those other three quarterbacks that I named. Um, so I'm really um, in favor of bringing Matthew Stafford in. I believe that he has a lot left in the tank. Just this past season, he threw, um, he threw, he threw for, just this past season, Matthew had just this past season he threw for uh, you know 26 touchdowns, 4,000 yards, um, and 10 touchdowns like I had previously stated, and that was with a coach like Matt Patricia, who you know was a horrible coach, horrible coach. Just for me to just put it in, in the simplest terms possible, Matt Patricia was a horrible coach. He wasn't a players' coach. He was a defensive coach that did, that didn't help Matthew Stafford. And then you know on the offensive player side of the ball, he didn't relate to him. He would bash him when they wouldn't perform well. So Matthew Stafford had a lot of things working against him this past season, as well as only having Kenny Galladay play five games. So for him to still produce those numbers this past season, which I believe was one of his better seasons. Um, you know, when you consider the circumstances that he was playing with and his roster situation, I believe that Matthew Stafford still has a lot, um, a lot left in the tank. And I believe that he's one of those quarterbacks that can help, you know, us contend in that three or four year window that I was talking about with this defense. Um, he can help us contend for a Super Bowl. And let's move on to our next, you know, high, high, highly likely option. And that is Cam Newton. Um, and like I touched on in episode one, I'm not really in favor of bringing, Cam, bringing in Cam Newton, but I will be remiss if I didn't acknowledge, you know, that a lot of the coaching staff um, that's in Ashburn right now, they're really familiar with Newton. Um, you know, Herney brought him in. He he was, his, he was his number one overall draft pick. That was Ron's first overall draft pick as well. You know, they they bought, they were, they came in together. So they were essentially tied at the hip for about nine years. Um, so I would be remiss if I didn't think that there was a chance that Cam could likely, you know, be in a Washington football team uniform next season. So going into that, um, if we do bring Cam in, I don't think Cam should be etched in as a starter. Like I do believe um, Matthew Stafford would be if he was – um, bought in via trade. I believe that um, that Cam would have to compete with somebody like Taylor Heineke, you know, Kyle Allen, or, you know, if Alex Smith was brought back, which is very likely. I believe that Cam would have to compete with the names and the quarterbacks that are already on the roster. Because um, Cam looked like a shell of himself last season. So, Cam will be entering his 11th season. Last year, he had 2,600 yards. He had eight passing touchdowns with 12 rushing touchdowns so that's 20 total touchdowns and he had 10 interceptions but here's the kicker three of cam's passing touchdowns came in the last game against the new york jets who had arguably the worst team in the nfl um i know it's not i know it didn't stand that way with the record but they were like that for a long time so three of those passing touchdowns came in week 17 so going into week 17 cam had five passing touchdowns to you know 12 rushing touchdowns and 10 interceptions. So he had a 1-2 to two touchdown to interception ratio before going into week 17 and playing in New York Jets. So I'm not really sold on Cam, but Cam is still a dynamic runner, uh, which I believe um, would aid him in a system like Scott Turner's where he runs a lot of RPOs. Um, I don't know if you guys caught, caught on to it last year, and it was kind of hard to because Alex, you know, didn't have the capability of taking off. But Scott Turner called a lot of run pass options. Even even for a quarterback that he knew had an inability to move, he called a lot of run pass options. So somebody that, you know, 
that's still dynamic with their legs like Cam could help, but Cam was a shell of himself. He couldn't push the ball downfield last year, and these are part of some of the reasons why I wouldn't be in favor of, you know, bringing him in and, you know, etching him as the starter for 2021 because he simply looked like a shell of the Cam Newton that I knew, you know, the 2015 form that, I, that I've seen, that I've been accustomed to seeing from Cam. So that was it for, you know, my highly likely or my more than likely, you know, options at the quarterback position. Now, let's go on to my less likely options. Remember, I said these are the ones that we would take a big swing for. I'm not saying that it's likely to happen, but these are two quarterbacks that if we take a big swing for, they are definitely quarterbacks that will help us contend for these Super Bowls for the next three or four years because I believe that our defense is that elite. And the first quarterback that I'll touch base on is Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott, you know, Dallas Cowboys quarterback. Dak Prescott is entering his sixth season. At the time that he injured himself last year, that he fractured his ankle, Dak led the league in passing yards last year. So Dak was coming into his own as a thrower last year. Um, and if we look, Dallas fell apart. They fell apart when Dak um, when Dak went out. Now I know he had a, a multi, I know Dallas had a multitude of other injuries along the offensive line um, and along the defense. But they essentially fell apart when Dak wasn't there as well. They couldn't move the ball on offense anymore and this is coming off the quarterback who was leading the league in passing so moving the ball wasn't a problem until Dak left um so like I said um Dak's price tag might have came down a little bit as far as you know trade demand because he is coming off a fractured ankle but that wouldn't that wouldn't stop me as a as a as a Washington football fan into bringing uh into bringing in somebody like Dak Prescott with all the medical advances that we have in 2021 I believe that this is an injury that he could come back from and be a hundred percent and if he comes back and is on my team and is looking the way he did when he came out, throwing for 400 yards like it was nothing, I'll take Dak Prescott in a heartbeat. I will take Dak Prescott in a heartbeat. And I'm not too sure how much, you know, Dak wants to still be in Dallas. I know um, the reports came out that even after his injury, he was in the facility every day. Um, he was taking his COVID test when he didn't have to. So Dak is just a great guy and an ultimate leader. And these are some of the reasons that why I want him on the Washington football team. But if you look at, you know, if you go on the profile page of Dak Prescott's brother, he's not the biggest fan of the Dallas fan base. And I think that he's um, the mouthpiece for Dak as far as, you know, that aspect is concerned. So if, if his brother's not feeling it, and you know, Dak is very family-oriented, losing his mom and his brother, um, he's very, you know, his family's all he's got at this point. So, you know, he, he may be listening to his brother. Because if you look on his brother's Instagram and Twitter pages, he is constantly bashing the Dallas Cowboys fan, um, fan base. And rightfully so. Rightfully so. Because we know how they can get. So come on. Come on, come send him, come send him to Washington football team with a money reside, with a money reside. Let's go ahead and sit in debt. But I want to move on to my next option. And you guys have probably heard this name, especially if you're an NFL football name. You've heard this name over the last two or three weeks. And that's Deshaun Watson. Why I would want to bring in Deshaun Watson? Because Deshaun Watson is a top five quarterback and he's only 25 years old. Um, and like I said when I was talking about Cam Newton, also along with that, these guys are dynamic athletes that can that can that can run the ball. And that's something that can only be a beneficial in uh, offense like Scott Turner's, where you're running RPOs, um, you know, read options, um, draws, you know, things like that, where you need an athlete at quarterback. We saw what Tyler Heineke could do um you know not an athlete of Dak Deshaun's or Cam's um 
Cam's stature, but you know, he's athletic enough to get out the pocket to run the RPOs, the RDOs that he was running. And we saw what he did against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And that's the defense that, that's in the Super Bowl right now because they're making Hall of Famers look like a shell of himself. So, so imagine what, what a dynamic athlete at quarterback can do um, in this Scott Turner offense. Um, just touching bases on Deshaun Watson. Like I said, he's only 25 years old. He's entering his fifth year. Last year, he's, he's coming off being the NFL's passing leader in yardage with over 4,800 yards. He had 33 touchdowns and seven interceptions. And that's after losing his number one receiver in the offseason in DeAndre Hopkins. And then that's after losing his next number one receiver in Will Fuller after 10 games. Because of a drug suspension. So he did this with a bunch of, with a receiving corps that you had to put together. Now I know Randall Cobb and Brandon Cooks are solid players. But that's not the receiving court that you expect the league's leader in passing yards to be working with. So Deshaun Watson had a pretty special season. And I'm believing... I'm beginning to believe that he's starting to understand his worth, and that's the reason why he's forcing his way out of Houston, because he doesn't see a positive direction that the team can go on. Um, so that would be our biggest swing. Um, I've been seeing a lot of crazy trade packages going on for Deshaun Watson, people talking about giving four firsts, five firsts. I believe in our situation, you know, giving up maybe three firsts and a player, um, maybe one of those five D linemen that I mentioned that I don't think that we can all pay, um, maybe giving up one of those along with, you you know three first round picks um can can you know real in Deshaun but I know he's going to have the more the most suitors out of any of these quarterbacks I name as far as um a trade package for Matt Stafford as well I see a lot of people um ready to just throw out 19 a pick and you know other picks but if we're giving out if you're, if you're giving out the 19th pick which I'm not opposed to doing I think that should just be a straight-up up trade. I don't think we need to give up too much draft capital for somebody like Matt Stafford. Yeah, I know I spent a lot of time boasting him up, but he has he has been fighting through injuries these last two seasons. He will be 33 years old this season. So I don't want to spend too much draft capital or or, spend, or send away too, too, too big of an impact player in a Matt Stafford deal. Now, I will for Deshaun Watson because he's about eight years younger and he's a little bit more dynamic as a, of an athlete. And I believe that if you, if you bring in somebody like Deshaun, your, your team is destined to compete for Super Bowls, especially with that defense for four or five years. We can be the new dynasty in the NFL that's just me speaking though that's just me speaking and then moving on to the draft moving on to the draft there are two quarterbacks that I believe um, have a chance to either fall um, slip in the draft um, or you know they can slip far enough for Washington football team to consider moving up for them and those two quarterbacks that I like that I think can fit the offense are Trey Lance and Justin Fields so I'll go over Trey Lance first Trey Lance is 6'3 225 pounds. Trey Lance is from North Dakota State University. They only played one game this season, which I'll touch on, but I want to go back to the 2019 season where Trey Lance had 28 touchdowns and zero passing, zero interceptions. He had a 28 to zero in a uh, touchdown to interception ratio. Do y'all understand how crazy that is? A 28 to zero? I don't care who you're playing. You could be playing Little League rec ball. 28 to zero touchdown to interception ratio is insane. And that's what um, Trey Lance did in 2019. Now, he did throw an interception in his one game, you know, showcase that he had this past season. And he struggled as a thrower a bit. But this is where, this is where you know, you, you know, the dynamic athlete breaks through. He struggled as a passer in that game, but then he had nearly 200 yards as a rusher in that 
that game with two rushing touchdowns. So Trey Lance is a dynamic athlete. He reminds me of a, <coughs> a twitchier, um, a little bit better athlete than um, Dak Prescott coming out of Mississippi State. But I also see a lot of Steve McNair uh, for my early uh, 2000 and late 90s football fans. I see a lot of young Steve Air McNair and um, Trey Lance as far as just the, the capability to keep plays alive, the big body, the similar running styles. Um, I know a lot of people who caught uh, Steve McNair at you know the tail end of his career when he was playing with the Ravens, they don't remember how dynamic of an athlete McNair was when he was coming out of Alcorn State. And then, you know, just the small school, small school comparison. I see a lot of similarities between Trey Lance and Steve McNair. And if the Washington football team lucks up and, and draft somebody, you know, close to the caliber of Steve McNair when he was coming out, they may end up playing in the Super Bowl like the Tennessee Titans did. You heard it here first. You heard it here first, though. Um, and second, the quarterback that I'm seeing starting to drop down a lot of mock um, draft boards and may be there at 19 or may be there in the range, you know, where we have to move up two or three spots is Justin Fields. Now, I know he struggled against Alabama, but that was Alabama. You know, Justin Fields is a dynamic athlete as well. And him and Trey Lance have similar sizes. So I said that Trey Lance was 6'3", 225. Justin Fields is 6'3", 227. This past season, in eight games, he had 2,100 passing yards with 22 touchdowns and six interceptions, which is still, which is still an amazing ratio. But it is kind of, uh, it is a drop-off from his um, 2019 season where he played in, I believe, 12 games and he had over 4,000 yards, um, over 40 touchdowns with only three interceptions. Um, I like Justin Fields. I know a lot of the naysayers are saying that he's a one-read quarterback and we shouldn't trust quarterbacks from Ohio State. Washington football fans, I completely get it. I completely get it after the Dwayne Haskins failure experiment that we've been dealing with for the past two years. I completely get it. But trust me, I think that somebody like Justin Fields shouldn't be, you know, grouped into those Ohio State quarterbacks. I believe he's a way better athlete than that. Um, than Dwayne Haskins, something that you need in today's NFL, like the ability to make off-platform off throws, um, off-schedule throws. And then I believe that he's a way better thrower than somebody like, you know, Troy Smith or JT Bear, who are just athletes. So I believe, you know, he's, he gives you the best of both worlds. Now, I'm not saying he's the best quarterback option in the draft, but I believe at 19, you'll be hard-pressed to find anybody better, especially for a team that needs, um, that needs a quarterback. That needs a franchise quarterback. I believe that, you know, Justin Fields can develop into that guy. Um, so that's that's it for the quarterbacks um, for today. Um, so like I said, just be on the lookout for those six names as free agency season as well as the draft season approaches. So that'll be it for the quarterbacks. Um, now let's move on to the wide receiver. So, this is what I'm going to do as for my wide receiver breakdown. I'm going to give you the five wide receivers um, in, my, in, in, in order of my preference, the five free agent wide receivers that I like to see start opposite Terry McLaurin. Um, so, like I said, the Washington football team has some cap space. So, with these names that I point out, I don't think that it's going to be a matter of, you know, a matter of if we can pay them, but it's going to be more of a matter of how high is too high. So if you guys can remember the scenario last year when we um, offered Amari Cooper $22 million, and he turned that down to be with Dallas. Now, ultimately, you know, he worked. it worked out in the long run with Texas not having, you know, any state tax. So the financial um, component of that kind of evened out in the long run. But we're at this point, again, where for these receivers and bidding on these receivers, it's just how much is too how much is too much? So I think that with me saying that, I just think that the 
the wide receiver's desire to want to play in Washington, that's what it's going to come down to if that wide receiver joins the Washington football team or not. So, in order, um, the first wide receiver that I would like to see um, on the Washington football team, my highest preference, is Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson. He's going to be entering his age 28 season. He is coming off a season where he had over 100 receptions. He had 1,250 yards and six touchdowns he did this with the quarterback play of Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky guys now I know that if we think as Washington football teams that we had the worst quarterback play this season Chicago might be what 31st 31st they might be right right above us so for Allen Robinson to put up these numbers no he's not a burner but what he is is somebody that can line up at that X position and you know is going to win his matchup majority of the time he's a Chris Brown runner at 6'3 about 215 pounds he knows how to fight off press he, he has releases off the line he can give you inside breaking routes he can give you outside breaking routes somebody like Allen Robinson would, would, would complete this offense if you have him and Terry who can work in and media but go over the top as well oh my that dynamic offense with one of these quarterbacks that i just talked about bringing in can you imagine that can you imagine that we would go from having one of the worst receiving cores to i can see it now they on espn talking about best wide receiver duos and what, they, what what's the what's the what's the duos that, that's out there now what they talk about sammy Watkins and tyreek hill terry terry and robinson better than that just I, I can see it now, the potential of bringing in Allen Robinson. Um, now, Allen Robinson might might be the biggest contract that we would have to bring in. You know, he may look at getting around 18 to 22 million per year. But I believe somebody of his talent, you do it. Um, because, like I said, we're competing for Super This defense guy is competing for Super Bowls, guys. And that's what it's all about at the end of the day. So he'll be my most or uh, my highest preferred wide receiver bringing, being brought in. The next one. Um, my second highest preferred wide receiver to be brought in is Chris Godwin, who is still playing. Chris Godwin is coming off somewhat of a down season. He did have a plethora of injuries. Um, I know he had an injury to his groin, to his hand as well. Um, he, he will be entering his age 25 season. So uh, he's the youngest one of the group. Um, he's coming off a season where he's had 65 receptions, 840 yards, and 7 touchdowns um and what i like about chris godwin is he's a uh, scheme versatile he can line up at any position he can run the intermediate route he can also go deep he's tough with the ball in his hands um him and terry were are among the league leaders in yak yards per game um so like i said um when i was talking about the quarterbacks when you're running bubble screens and a lot of screens and passes behind the scrimmage like scott off scott turner's offense um you know, presents itself, you need these um, receivers that's dynamic with the ball in their hands that can make people miss. Um, we saw it a lot with Terry last year, and Godwin is the same type of player. Um, I think he runs a little more physical than Terry. He's not as shifty, um, but the way you get the yards is the way you get the yards. Um, Godwin has, Godwin has, he can work in and out of the slot. Like I said, he can work at any position, the X, the Y, the Z. Um, his scheme versatility is what, um, what you know, what 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 it stands so it stands out to me, and which is why I would want to bring him in. He can play um a lot. He he runs jet sweeps. You know he takes passes out the backfield. So so a dynamic athlete like Chris Godwin can help open this up open up this offense as well. Third on my list is the Speed Demon. He'll be entering his age 27 season. It's Will Fuller Jr. Will Fuller Jr. is coming off a season where he had oh Will Fuller. 
Will Fuller, the fourth, I'm sorry, is coming off a season where he had 53 receptions, 879 yards, and eight touchdowns. And he did that in 11 games. He did that in 11 games. This season was going to be, was looking to be, you know, Will's, Will Fuller's first, you know, fully season health, um, fully, fully healthy season where he made it, um, whether that be through 14 or 16 games. Um, but his season came to an abrupt end after his huge performance on Thanksgiving where he um, tested positive for PEDs. Um, so Fuller did all that in 11 games. Fuller is a speed demon out of Notre Dame. So if you bring him in, I'm not sure who's faster in between him and Terry. But you're getting a, a Kansas City, a similar to Kansas City Chiefs style offense where speed is emphasized. Both of those guys can take the take the top of the defenses. Both of those guys can run reverses. Um, Will Fuller showed that he had better hands than a lot of people thought um, entering this season. He was he was he was commanding a lot of double teams. He was commanding a lot of double coverage, and he was getting over. He he was getting open. Uh, I think he went straight, six straight games um, where he had scored a touchdown, which was uh, which was uh, a record throughout this season, and um, was I think two games short of an NFL record. So Will Fuller was really starting to break out this season before his suspension. Um, and like I said, he is suspended. So this is somebody that you may be able to get on a bargain deal, considering the fact that he spent majority of his rookie contract injured and then the the year that he wasn't he had to deal with this suspension so will fuller has some things you know going against him on why he may not get the biggest payday the biggest potential payday but you know that may work out with the washington football team in the long run especially if he breaks out can you imagine that speed on the field with terry and will fuller and antonio gibson that's three four three guys we talking about competing for super bowls guys kansas city's playing in two weeks this will be their second Super Bowl in a row. Speed kills. Speed kills. And we need it. We need it. We need it. All right. So let me go ahead and move on to our fourth. Our fourth wide receiver on the list. And that is Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay would have probably been higher on my list if we were entering, you know, last season. Kenny Galladay is a freak athlete, you know, at 6'4", 220 pounds. But he's just coming off a down season. He had to deal with a hip injury a lot. And like I mentioned when I was talking about Matthew Stafford, Galladay wasn't there a lot of this season. Um, he's coming off a season where he had 20 receptions, 338 yards, and two touchdowns in five games. So he only played in five games. So those are decent numbers to put in, put up for five games. But like a lot of people say, your best ability is your availability, and he wasn't available a lot this year. What I like about Galladay is the same thing that I like about Robinson. Um, they're big bodies. Um, Galladay is a little more freaky of an athlete. He has a higher vertical jump. Uh, he's great at the 50-50 ball. I think he might be the best receiver in the game right now at the 50-50 ball. Um, he catches the ball at his highest point all the time. Now, he might not be as refined of a route runner as, you know, Robinson or Godwin, but, you know, that ability to catch that 50-50 ball kind of separates him from the rest of the guys. Um, you know, I haven't seen us throw much phase to Terry McLaurin since he's been as dynamic of a receiver he is. So maybe Galladay can be that, you know, red zone target. Terry's only Terry only had four touchdowns this season. So maybe Galladay can be that guy, um, like a Mike Evans-type role that, you know, in um, Tampa Bay. But Mike Evans didn't have his biggest year but he had what 12 touchdowns just you know catching fades and screens because of his big body maybe Galladay can present that threat um if he joins the Washington football team in 2021 and last but not least everybody knows him everybody knows him whether you've been on TikTok whether you've been on Twitter whether you've been on Instagram and that's Juju Smith-Schuster 
He'll be coming in. Uh, next season will be his age 25 playing season. Um, last season, he's coming off a season where he had 97 receptions, 831 yards, and 9 touchdowns. Um, the reason that Juju is the lowest on my list is because I don't think he's as dynamic as a, of an athlete as the rest of these guys. Now, Juju is a great player. He might be the best blocker on this list. But I think um, the Washington football team, we need to look for dynamic athletes at this point. Um I know last season, you know, with Cam Sims and a lot of the guys, we had a lot of guys that could block, but we got we didn't have a lot of guys that can, you know, create separation down in and down out outside of Terry McLaurin. Um, so with Juju, I just think um, he won't be as good of a fit for this offense. Um, now he is great with the ball in his hands. He's probably the hardest runner out of the group. That'll be up to either Juju or Godwin. Um, Juju has a lot of, you know, highlight reel runs. Um, but as far as getting open, um, he's not great at that. If you look at his reception to his receiving yards total, the yards, you know, the yards per catch isn't great. Um, but I, I wouldn't mind Juju. Don't get don't get me wrong. I wouldn't mind Juju on the Washington football team because Juju is a clear wide receiver, too. Um, is, is an improvement over anything that we had this year. But the thing um, that, that that I'm talking about with Juju is. If he comes to the Washington football team, it's clear that he's the wide receiver, too, behind Terry McLaurin. I, I don't know if I'm going to say that with Allen Robinson and Quincy Godwin just yet. Just yet. Now, I love Terry as a player. Um, and I, I, I wouldn't take wide receiver one, you know, responsibilities and duties away from him just yet. But when these guys come in, based off what they've done in their, you know, in their career, it'd be hard to decipher, you know, who's not, who's wide receiver one until we break training camp. Now, whoever has the best camp, whoever, you know, does the most, whoever performs the best, then that can be your wide receiver one. But it wouldn't, um, wide receiver one wouldn't be as etched in stone if we brought those two in. Now, Will Fuller would be an obvious wide receiver two behind Terry. Same with Galladay, same with Juju. Um, but those other two? The sky's the limit if we bring in one of those quarterbacks that that I, that I mentioned earlier, as well as Robinson or Godwin. I believe that we can go from having one of the league's worst offenses to one of the league's best offenses if everybody stays healthy. Um, so that's it for our wrap-up and our offensive outlook for today. Like I said, um, we're going to be doing our defensive outlook in Episode 3, so please be on the lookout for it. And our um, for our YouTube family, I'm going to be putting our Twitter and our Instagram in the description box. I'm also going to put their tags and their links in the videos here. Please be sure to subscribe on YouTube as well. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts as well. And then add us on Spotify as well. We're available on all podcast platforms at this point, And we're also available on YouTube. So like I said, Washington football team, Bleeding B&G, we're, we're your new source. We're going to be giving you coverage more coverage than anybody else. If you're looking for anything Washington football team, we're your people for it. So thank you guys for tuning in to episode two. Please be on the lookout for episode three. Have a good one.